0: Hello, everyone, and welcome in to the newest edition of the Justin Time Sports Podcast. I am your host, Justin Jackson. And in next week's episode, we'll be talking about the NBA and what's going down there. We'll be talking about the NFL, what's happening before the season starts. We will touch on some huge college news, and we'll have our best for last. Don't forget to follow at JTime Sports on Instagram and Twitter for all of your breaking news and coverage and things of that nature and show updates. We're all over that thing all the time. Now, I hope you guys sit back and get ready to learn something. Welcome into the show. Oh, wherever you may be, I hope you are enjoying this beautiful Friday. I hope you guys all have a great day, and I hope you had a great week, but let's start your weekend off right. We're going to talk about the NBA. We're going to talk about the NFL. We're going to talk about a little college sports news, and of course, as always, we have our best for last. But let's jump right into the NBA with a big old congratulations to the Milwaukee Bucks and especially Giannis Antetokounmpo. Chris Middleton, PJ Tucker, Drew Holiday, Brooke Lopez, uh, that starting five was a cast of cast-offs, and they all seemed to be in the right place at the right time, and they secured Milwaukee's first NBA title in 50 years, I call them a cast of cast-offs because if you think about it, besides Giannis, and even Giannis, who was supposed to be here? Drew Holiday wasn't single time all-star when he was in Philadelphia, but he's toiled away in Philadelphia. He toiled away in New Orleans and he lands on Milwaukee when he was uh given his 160 million dollar extension. Many fans I talked to called it an overpay. It was like oh my god Milwaukee's never gonna win Giannis is gonna leave because they given mass contracts Drew Holiday etc 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 you know how fans are and so you know that that happened and then you look at Chris Middleton this guy the G League Uh, he's the or the developmental league as it was called Uh, he's the first guy to really be a real real big piece of a championship team out of the d-league and so that was huge he sets all kind of highest paid d-league player ever Um, first d-league to be an all-star things that nature chris middleton has done uh, what he his path has been very unconventional but it proves that the d-league does work It's now the G League for Gatorade, obviously, but it proves that the Developmental League or the Gatorade League or whatever does work in the NBA. If you put the right mindset to it, if you have the right effort into it, you can come out of that league, um, get called up, and be ready to contribute to a championship team the way Chris Middleton was able to do for the Milwaukee Bucks. You look at Brook Lopez. He bounced around for a while. People thought his tween was better than Robin in college. He bounced around the league, was in Brooklyn at one point in life, ended up in Milwaukee kind of as a guy to protect Giannis uh, make sure Giannis didn't have to do a lot of big work uh, unnecessarily against true centers so you bring in a guy like Brook Lopez, space the floor a little bit too, his ability to shoot but he was a general cast off a lot of people say oh you can't play Brook Lopez modern NBA, can't play him, he'll get eaten alive in the pick and roll oh you can't play Brook Lopez and Giannis at the same time No, you need Giannis on the floor and Brook's only a 35, 36% shooter. You can't have them on the floor together. Nope. Oh, man. Have you seen how slow Brook Lopez has been looking? You can't, you can't play him on the floor. That's not how it works. And then next thing you know, he is an NBA champion as well as a key contributor. And then finally, P.J. Tucker. Um, he was seen personally as basically Harden's personal bodyguard. His role is... You look, man, you got six fouls to guard the best player on the other team. Uh, usually that player is a wing. You don't really want Peter Tuck on a guard, especially one of those quick, you know, jittery guards they have today. But a wing, he's perfect. He's only 6'5", but he wants to get physical. He wants to fight with those wings. He wants to bother them. He wants to make them know, look, I have six fouls. It's not a situation where, okay, LeBron picks up a cheap foul guarding Kevin Durant in the first quarter. Now, nah, he really doesn't want to guard Kevin Durant because if he gets two, he comes out the game and the offense collapses, etc. Uh, you see even a Kawhi Leonard now. If he picks up an early foul, he's a lot less intense on defense so the second quarter, second or third quarter even, to avoid foul trouble early. So that way, if he does need to lock back in, he has a couple of fouls to work with. P.J. Tucker doesn't have that concern he anything he gives you on offense completely extra uh that was a screenshot going around when he picked up his fifth foul uh, in one of the games and he sat down with zero points he had played 30 something minutes or something like that or 27 28 30 minutes something like that and he had five fouls and no points and if you ask me if he shot the ball i probably would have told you no um because his job is not to shoot anything P.J. Tucker gives you on the offensive end as completely bonus because he makes his money, he makes his hay, he makes his name and his place in the NBA as a defender. Uh, Like I said, usually guarding your best bigs. So congratulations, or your best wings rather. So congratulations to the Milwaukee Bucks and finals MVP Giannis Antetokounmpo. I'm going to make a couple of bold declarations um, at this point. Please Feel free to DM me or at me or anything of the sort in reference to them. Man, Giannis Antetokounmpo is the greatest Milwaukee Buck to ever play basketball. Yes, passing Kareem abdul and Oscar Robertson. He is the greatest Milwaukee Buck ever. Period. End of discussion. And bold take number two, Giannis Antetokounmpo is in the discussion for best player on the planet. He's in the discussion. I, I, when the game had just ended, I came on, I expected to come on here saying he was the best player in the world. And The more I've thought about it, the more I say he's top three. And that's no insult. I mean, before the season started, I would say he's top ten. You know, I would have had a few guys he's definitively passed above him. I would have had Anthony Davis above him. I always say he's Giannis with a jump shot. Uh, I would have had, you know, other guys. I would have had Kawhi Leonard above him. Um, I would have had Steph Curry above him. So there's a few guys I would have had above him that I no longer have above him. Uh, I, be- I believe, put a gun to my head right now, best player in the world is still LeBron James. I think the only reason he was not that last season was because Solomon Hill fell on his ankle. And I know there's a narrative, like, oh, he's starting to get injury prone. His age is catching up. The groin, I'll give you. Slipped on the floor 10 years ago. That, that, that groin might have pulled a little bit, but then he'd have been fine in a couple of weeks. Uh, Elasticity, his elasticity, his pliability His flexibility would have been an all-time high I believe he's still all those stuff I still believe he's very elastic I still believe he's very pliable I still believe he's very flexible But you don't get the bounce back with age It it doesn't come as easily as it did in your youth And so maybe we can contribute the growing injury to age I wouldn't, but hey If we want to go down that path, we could I do not consider the ankle injury due to age under any circumstance. Solomon Hill weighs about 230 pounds. He fell into LeBron James' ankle. Update, that's going to hurt anybody. So I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, LeBron's injuries are catching up. Although we don't see what he would have been in the playoffs because he did suffer an ankle injury. So I would have LeBron one. The debate becomes at two, in my opinion. Kevin Durant is a more skilled basketball player than Giannis. Giannis is a lot more skilled around the rim with his euro steps, his drop backs, his, his 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 slice his slice throughs, his finishes either hand. He's a lot more skilled around the rim, a lot more dominant, especially around the rim, than a Kevin Durant. However, Kevin Durant is a better pure scorer. Uh, he's a better pure shooter. He's a better ball handler um, than Giannis. I think Giannis has him on the defensive end. Uh, we just saw what they went to head head to head. Obviously, Giannis had the team advantage, especially after the injuries and. We are still one shoe size away from talking about Kevin Durant and the Nets playing the Phoenix Suns in the NBA Finals. I mean, so that's how close we came. So this not even being a story, but so the debates at two and three, I have to give the nod based on precedent to Giannis being two. So that would make Giannis the second best player in the world, he's the most dominant player in the world. We're looking at that situation, last time we had a situation similar to this, I believe it was the early 2000s with Shaq. Where Shaq was not necessarily considered the best basketball player in the world, but he was universally considered the most dominant. And so I, I believe that's the position we're in with Giannis the Kumpo. Some are going to have him at one, some are going to have him at three, some may have him as low as five, some may have him at two, whatever. We can all universally agree that he is the most dominant physical presence in the game. I mean, the man had 50, not 49, not 51. The man had 50. Wait, wait, I just received breaking news. Uh, According to Courtney Cronin, who is a Minnesota Vikings reporter for ESPN.com, Rick Dennison, who is the offensive line coach And run game coordinator Has Is out I'm not sure he's been fired um, He's specifically the language But He is out uh, As the offensive line coach Slash run game coordinator For refusing the COVID-19 vaccine uh, The Minnesota Vikings will promote Assistant offensive line coach Phil Rasher Excuse me for not pronouncing that correctly To replace Denison um, He hired Auburn's special team, and they've hired Auburn's special team's analyst Ben Steele as an assistant uh, on that situation. Wow. So this is the first, um, this is the first firing or let go of a a person for vaccine related issues in terms of staff uh, because the NFL has a rule. That the vaccine is mandatory for all tier one staff. That's something It's coaches, management, people like that. Uh, You have to get the vaccine. He refused it, so he was let go. Uh, I'm sure he'll find another job. I don't see a situation where he wouldn't. uh, He could just retire. I don't know. He looks older. But wow. So that is the first person to not have an NFL job anymore due to the vaccine. Uh, Players are not required to get it. We're going to talk about that more in the NFL segment of the show. I just wanted to get that in. Yeah, but back to Giannis. I mean, the man had 50 points, uh, 14, 13, 15 rebounds, something like that, and five blocks. Absolutely insane. First stat line of it, stat line like that of its kind. Uh, tremendous game from start to finish. It was amazing watching it. And the insane part about it was the dude made 17 of 19 free throws. If you would have told me Giannis made Ten of his 19 free throws i would have said the bucks have a pretty good chance of winning but if he's making 17 of his 19 free throws that means he's constantly driving he's constantly attacking and not only is he doing that he is making them pay for following him because not following him is a moot point because he's not missing the free throws so absolutely insane game by Giannis. incredibly happy for him um i don't know how you can root against them he's talked about you know how his mother was selling things in the street uh he was talking about how he first came to the nba he didn't know his next meal was gonna come from you hear the stories of every pretty much every dime he was getting from the nba he was sending he was sending home to try and take care of his family to the point where he didn't have enough money for a a taxi to a game and started to jog to the arena now i don't know why he didn't call to a friend or something but started to jog to the arena and was picked up by a couple of patrons Heading to the arena who recognized him, even as a rookie. And so uh, that's the kind of guy Giannis is. It is absolutely insane um, how good of a guy he is. You know, from letting fans touch the trophy to his hilarious Instagram lives. Maybe that Chick-fil-A uh, requesting his chicken minis to um, his postgame interviews. Great guy. Uh, one of the nicer guys we've had win in a long time. Especially because the way you know, like he, he said it himself. He could have joined a super team, but he wanted to do it his way. He wanted to do it, quote-unquote, the harder way. He wanted to go and do it for Milwaukee, a city that believed in him. He wanted to do it for them. And so he, Middleton, Drew Tucker, Lopez, DiVincenzo, Connington, Bobby Portis um, did their best. And they ultimately captured the first NBA title for the Milwaukee Bucks in 50 years. Now, this is also a win, albeit temporarily, for small markets. What was a big report coming out this summer? Zion Williamson, some members of his family, wanted him out of the Pelicans. Now, they could be just organizational discord and dysfunction. However, small market does play into a factor. So, this is a win for small markets. It showed small market managers, small market owners, that you have a chance to win. If you get a star, a bona fide star superstar level player through the draft, uh, Bucks got Giannis. Uh, Cleveland got LeBron. Um, New Orleans got Anthony Davis and Zion. You look at, you get a situation like that through the draft. You then find that person's running mate. Um, so for LeBron, he also has to leave and pick up D Wade. For Anthony Davis, he became the running mate. Um, when you look at a couple of long time life you look at a Dirk. Look what they did with Dirk. They got Steve Nash. They got Jason Kidd. They got Jason Terry. They did their best to find them running mates. You look at a another guy. You look at Shaq. What did they do with Shaq? They went and got Penny. Um, you, and so if you look at small markets, you have to go through the draft. Look what the Pelicans are doing right now. They pick Zion, and they traded for Brandon Ingram. That's his running mate. Um, so you got to get your superstar through the draft. You have to. Now you can trade for his running mate. Um, it's more often that you draft the running mate too, but you can trade for his running mate, acquire his running mate somehow. So he's number two or a better, a better one. So then your original one becomes your two. Um, so that would be the way, and then you, you get his actual coach. So the first coach you're going to get probably isn't going to work. The second coach you're going to get has a good chance of working, but probably not. That, so your first coach is the carryover coach. Usually um, he's going to get fired soon. Your second coach is the first coach they try. So that coach uses a developmental style coach there to teach you defensive principles or offensive principles, if whichever one you struggle the most at, but is there for development, uh, teach how to be a pro, discipline. Your third coach is usually the coach that that is the right coach. That you finally get to the coach, that is the right one. Uh, you look at Michael Jordan. He had his carryover coach. He had Doug Collins, and then he got Phil Jackson. Um, Magic Johnson's kind of skipped the teaching coach, because you got Paul Westfell as his carryover coach, but then he got Pat Ryder right after that. No, uh, you look at LeBron. He ran through a couple coaches, then he got to Mike Brown, then he got to Eric Spoelstra. Uh, so, the New Orleans Pelicans, they had the carryover coach, Alvin Gentry for Zion, then they had Stan Van Gundy, now they have hired Willie Green, uh, the Phoenix Suns. So, when you look at that situation, it's, it's hard to do if you are... A small market. Look at the Warriors with Steph and Clay in them. They had the curry over coach, then they got Mark Jackson, then they got their championship level coach and Steve Kerr. So uh, that is something definitely to look out for. Small markets had a victory for a day, but ultimately it's going to be the big markets that rule the day and/or free agent destinations. So um the Warriors are not necessarily a large market, but in that time period, they were a free agent destination for Kevin Durant. Um, New Orleans not necessarily a large market, but Zion is what people think Zion can be Brennan Ingram is what I think he could be they may end up getting a third guy to come to New Orleans to play and um, Form a big three in New Orleans. So it's gonna be very interesting to see very interesting to watch these small markets But now let's move over to the uh, losing side of things in the NBA finals because when there's a winner there's a loser and when there's a loser There's somebody we have to blame for the loss. And I'm going to get to that in a second. But we have to talk about first the point guard himself, Chris Paul. He looked old. We said it last week that Drew Holiday switching on him kind of made him look a little older than 36. Drew Holiday stayed on him. And by the end of game six, he looked like he was 56. Uh, He lost the ball a couple of times with nobody really near him to force it out. He struggled to get his shot off he struggled to get anybody involved which in de facto made uh, DeAndre Aiden very very timid because everything had to be over somebody it wasn't spoon fed dunks or spoon fed little push shots Um, he was greatly affected Chris Paul by Drew Holiday Uh, Drew is just quick if not quicker and he's 4 inches taller and probably got him by about 30 pounds and so fighting that young stronger, taller uh, point guard up and out on the court was too much for Chris Paul. Ultimately, had to hide him on PJ Tucker on defense. It worked because Tucker going to pick the corner and stand there. But the damage is already done in terms of the level of fatigue that had already triggered in Game Six. There wasn't much that uh, switching PJ Tucker, or switching Chris Paul and the PJ Tucker rather, was going to do. Um, so he he goes into the season or the off season rather with a player option for Phoenix, one year, forty-four million dollars. The expectation is that Chris Paul rejects said um, contract extension and he decide or player option rather he got for a contract extension somewhere in the neighborhood of three years $100 million. Um, Anything past three years, so if you are looking at a four year extension, a five year extension at Phoenix, that is a bad, bad place to be in. Um, If I'm a team, I go to Chris, I say hey, pick up your player option. And we're going to add two years if you're phoenix uh, pick a player option we'll add two years at 28 million dollars a piece you'll have a hundred and some odd change of new money if you're a new team i'm thinking through you know three years 100 million dollars of new money and so that'll be interesting to watch out for there uh robert sarver can penny pinch who's the owner of the phoenix sun so if he does try and penny pinch chris ball and chris ultimately bounces there's several different places where he could go so he won't be out of work By any means Devin Booker uh, Bright Mamba He did not have the best closing game Uh, Obviously he lost But he went for 40 back to back Uh, Really showed his potential Really showed how high of a level he can play at And so it would be interesting to watch his growth and his development Because he put that number one on his back, those Kobe's on his feet, and he did everything he could to will the Phoenix Suns forward. Uh, he, Unfortunately for him, he was on the wrong end of a couple of ho- amazing highlight plays, such as Giannis's block. Um, when he blocked D'Andre Aiden. he was originally guarding Devin Booker. Booker was the passer. And then if you look at uh, the steal, uh, Gerardi steals the ball, throws a lot with to Giannis, foul, and one by Chris Paul. Um, the ball he stole it from was Drew, was Zach Levine, who got a little too deep into the paint, tried to wheel his way back out, and Drew Holiday was sitting there waiting on it, snatched them, and off they went. And so, it is going to be incredibly interesting to watch what Phoenix does with Chris, what they're going to do about building the team around Chris, Bynum, and Booker if those three are all back on the roster next season. So I can't wait to definitely see how that happens. um Little off-season news: Demar Derozan and Kyle Lowry have been officially linked to the Los Angeles Lakers. No way on God's green earth they do it cleanly. So it had to be Lowry taking a massive pay cut and probably a signing trade for Demar to make that money work. But as we know, when LeBron James is involved. Now he's getting later and later his his career. He has four, and and in his words, the ghost of Michael Jordan, the ghost twenty three in Chicago, has six. And so I don't think I don't think he believes he needs six. And LeBron James's head, he's the greatest player of all time, as is. Um, he said it so much on the shop. He said when he came back from three one, he was goat. And so um, that's you know now he's added the Lakers title on top of it and a billion dollars. Uh, Billionaire, has become the best uh, first active player ever in the NBA to earn a billion dollars in earnings. He's done 300 million on the court, 700 million off the court, and he's amassed a billion dollars. Uh, he's only age 36 and uh, LeBron James has done that. But back to the Lakers. So you're in a spot where Kuzma needs to move on. He said he thinks he's on the same level as St. Tatum. Clearly he wants his own team to prove it. Still allow Kuzma to move on. Then I guess you have at the start working signing trades, maybe two versions of a signing trade, signing trade for DeMar in, signing trade for Shoulder out. Um, they could possibly be in the same deal, although I doubt it. And so that is giving you a lot of options if you are the Lakers, including Russell Westbrook. Um, Reportedly by Mark Spears, I believe the Lakers have been investigating ways to get Russell Westbrook. And so another big time name, the Lakers are going to do something. Rob Pelinka has too many relationships. He's too good at this to not end up with something at the table. Um, i prefer if I'm a Laker fan, if I'm a LeBron fan, i prefer Bradley Beal or Damian Lillard as opposed to one of the other options. Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan isn't a bad... Hell, DeMar DeRozan by himself isn't a bad pickup. You add them both, you got a pretty great team. Um, so we'll definitely keep our eye on that. And like I said a few minutes ago, Willie Green of the Phoenix Suns assistant coach, has officially been hired as the New Orleans Pelicans head coach. He was a former player in New Orleans uh, during the Hornets days. Only played one season there. But he has officially been hired as the head coach in New Orleans after Sam Van Gundy mutually parted waves with the organization after one year. Now, up next, we're going to shift to the NFL and talk about what's going down with the Shield. Alrighty, welcome back into the show. And sometimes I take you guys behind the curtain a little. I talk about, you know, I have a topic list in front of me. I used to not even do that. I used to kind of go off the dome for an hour. Uh but I have a topic list now. It keeps me a little more organized, etc. And I was going to start in the NFL. I had mind made up. I was going to start with Aaron Rodgers. More Rodgers drama, you know? That's a story that never gets old, right? Rodgers, he's always giving us new something. There's always a new deadline with him, a new break dead date. Something with Aaron Rodgers, right? It's always something. And, um, well, his teammate, his number one receiver, his only receiver the past few years, really, Devontae Adams has now decided to scoop that story. Devontae Adams and the Green Bay Packers have been working towards a long-term contract extension over the past few weeks, and reported by myself, uh, Ian Rappaport, Adam Schefter, you know, the big three. Those discussions are over? As best way I can describe them, they've uh, they've broken off with no current plans to resume them. Now, his contract ends this season. This would be his last season under his current deal. Um, and he spoke about previously on Cowherd Show, The Herd, uh, about what would happen if Rodgers left. He would evaluate his future with the franchise as well. Now, they have the franchise tag. Um, Green Bay's not really known for using it, but they do have the franchise tag at their disposal. So, it would be something definitely to watch out for if he decides to walk away, which, again, I think is very dependent on Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers signs or re-ups his deal or commits to Green Bay long-term. I think you get no problem about Devontae Adams. Um, but if Adams, if Rodgers leaves, there's no way Devontae Adams straps the rest of his prime to Jordan Love. No offense to Jordan Love, Jordan Love could be spectacular, we don't know, we haven't seen him play. But he's in a situation where he knows for a fact that as a top receiver in order in this game to get paid in order to win, you need to link with the top quarterback. So Rodgers walks, Adams in a spot not to try and not to sign a three, year big money deal. And a year in realize, oh, Love ain't great. I need to get out, but now he's stuck on the team for two more years. Um, and so you're in that kind of spot it's hard As Devontae Adams like I said he spoke about on the herd that he would consider moving on he would definitely reevaluate his options if Rodgers were to go now it's looking like Rodgers last year and Green Bay's this year and now they couldn't come to an agreement with Devontae Adams on the long term deal um, I'm hearing that it wasn't going to make him the highest paid receiver in the league which means it wouldn't pass Michael Thomas' deal um slap in the face. If I'm Devontae Adams, I wouldn't open up talks either. It's a slap in the face. Um I'm the next best receiver up. I get the most money. It's no different than the quarterbacks. Dak Prescott was the next best quarterback up. He was he's not the best quarterback in the league, but he was the next best quarterback up, he got the most money. Uh Patrick Mahomes was the next best quarterback up, he got the most money. Michael Thomas was the next best receiver up, he got the most money. Etc so it's not It's a simple thing in the NFL when you're in that Top five of your position You pass whatever the other guys get Um, So Josh Allen Expect Josh Allen to pass Dak Prescott Uh, Expect Lamar Jackson To pass Dak Prescott Uh, That's just how it is It's um, it's just when you are in that Top echelon of the group top five top seven Depending on the position you pass Whoever is in one in terms of money um, Financially And so not offering Devonte adams a contract that does that that makes him the highest paid receiver even if let's say the highest paid receiver makes 21 million dollars a year 21.1 you know he's still the highest paid because that's something that you know he puts uh, as a feather in his hat that i was the highest paid receiver in the nfl at one point i did have the highest contract ever at one point for nfl receiver you know that's something he could put in his hat and not even offering him that um is a slap in the face forget the minutia forget the rest of it um, he looked down at that paper and didn't see twenty one point one million dollars a year, for instance uh, Or more and the rest of the language didn't matter. Nothing else mattered in the contract and so um, Bad negotiating by Green Bay uh, they, they took a hard-ass approach with Aaron Rodgers. He's bucking um, And he's trying to figure out a way he's working his way out and then you look at um, Now they're doing it with Devontae Adams He's considering a way out as well and so very interesting times in Green Bay They may or may not be able to get that fixed. We don't know. But when you look at having Aaron Rodgers, you look at having Devontae Adams, possibly on their way out, the offensive line is worse because they let Corey Lindsley go, um, to pay a running back. No offense to Aaron Jones, but to pay the running back over a center. Um, you still have not really acquired a second wide receiver. You're hoping it could be Marquise Valdez Scantling, But you haven't acquired a second wide receiver. You don't really know where your passion is coming from. And you're still paying Kevin King a salary. You are in a situation where you're not in a good spot if you're Green Bay. You got worse. So, Tempe Buccaneers brought everybody back. And we bring everybody back. That breeds continuity and familiarity. Uh, that brings chemistry. They're going to be better. So, they won, what, 10 games last year? 10 and 6? They're going to win 12, 13 games this year. Especially with the extra games, they're gonna win twelve or thirteen games this year. Period. Um, you know, and Green Bay got worse. You look at the other powers in the NFC. Yeah, the Saints are gonna be as good, but we don't know if Jameis comes out firing. Um, they could end up being one of the top teams in the NFC. They've got talent around Jameis. Uh, you look at other teams in the NFC. Not, they're not spectacular, but you look at Green Bay. They, you're further away from Kansas City. You're further away from Tampa Bay. Um, to be honest, the Chargers are right there. They're injuries away from catching you. Jimmy Garoppolo says, healthy, you're not as good as 49ers. We've seen that. Um, and so that's just, you're not as good as the Rams, in my opinion. You know, the Rams have suffered some injuries. They've lost uh, Cam Akers for the year 20 Achilles. They uh, let Malcolm Brown watch to the Dolphins. Uh, they lost Gerald Everett, but they did upgrade big time at quarterback with Matt Stafford. And so, Uh, You're not as good as the Rams. You're not as good as the healthy 49ers. You're not as good as the Seahawks if you're the Green Bay Packers. Uh, like You're not as good as Tampa. Jameis comes to play. You're not as good as New Orleans. So that makes you, what, the sixth best team already? That's off the top of my head. Uh, The Washington defense gives you fits because you have no offensive line to speak of at the moment. Um, Chicago. Justin Fields won't beat you he's going to give you a hell of a game. And so if you just look at all around the nfc um and what it brings the packers are the fifth or sixth which could potentially be the fifth or sixth best team in the nfc and so they will put you in a spot to win you add in drama and turmoil and let's say minnesota puts us together this year you could be in trouble and so i would definitely keep an eye on the green Bay packers this season trying to overcome this internal conflict internal turmoil, turmoil rather and trying to win football games in the division Speaking of vaccines, speaking of the Vikings, uh, the NFL dropped a couple of bombs on uh, people this year. then uh, when they announced that first off, there will be no added week. So last year, they had a contingency plan in place where they would add an 18th week if necessary. So if games could not be rescheduled for some reason, like remember that Vikings at that, uh, not Vikings Ravens Steelers game to played like on Tuesday. Uh, If the vaccine race went off, they would have postponed it, added the week 18, and made them play week 18. Um, That that won't be even a possibility this year. So you're going to have to fit it in in the 18 weeks now. Uh, there will be no 19th week. Also, um, teams will no longer get the benefit of... Oh, without that rescheduling, it will be a forfeit by the team that had the vaccination, that had the COVID outbreak. And you will receive effectively a loss when it comes to playoff standings. So in the official rankings, it might say forfeit, uh, but it will be treated as a loss to the playoff calculations. So that was huge. And, and then the big thing was neither team will get paid. So that is the hold your brother accountable. That is the ultimate. I am my brother's keeper. Because if, let's say, it is the Chargers playing the Jets and the Jets have a COVID outbreak and they just can't, it's not possible based on healthy safety protocols and all that stuff, they can't play the game. The Jets don't get paid that week and the team they're playing don't get paid that week. Um, And so you look at it, there's two teams under 50% vaccination that's the Colts and that is Washington. So, what if the Colts play the Texans? And the Colts are supposed to beat the Texans, it's a home game. You know, they're supposed to run through the Texans, especially currently with no Deshaun Watson in the picture. That should be a 20, 25 point victory. Instead, that turns into a COVID forfeiture. You just lost the game to the Texans, basically. And now neither team gets paid. So it is an absolutely um, strong stance to take by the NFL. Although I get it. It is is not a we're going to force people to get vaccinated. Vaccination or else. It's a... Here's the rules, deal with them. We're not gonna force you to get vaccinated, but if your unvaccinated stance takes and affects the schedule, we're going to dock you for it. Um, so if I mean you've got guys that have spoken up about it, you've got DeAndre Hopkins um spoken up about it, saying he in a deleted tweet, he says something like, Man, I have to evaluate my future in the NFL if they're gonna force us to get the vaccine. Uh, Leonard Fournette tweeted something on the lines of, man, it's vaccine. I don't know. Um, so those guys have questions about it. Um, and it's, it's 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 African-American players mostly. I mean, Cole Beasley is a white guy. Um, he has spoken up vehemently against the vaccine. Um, he's actually made an argument with a teammate of his now. Jerry Hughes, I believe, is the guy he's arguing with about the vaccine you know Kobe's in the Buffalo now but they're going back and forth about the vaccine and stuff like that on Twitter it's, I mean it's happening right as we speak and so that's something definitely keep an eye on um, is players contemplating now DeAndre Hopkins did come back and say he's going to participate and he still has in his words nine years left in him uh, very specific number but um, and Fournette's going to play so it's going to be there. I was going to play, but just some vaccination rate number. If you have two teams still under 50, that would be the Colton and Washington. We have 16 teams over the 85% limit. So the 85% level was a uh, level that you would enjoy. You would have total freedom when you're building, but you didn't have to wear masks all the time. Um, only mask when you're within six feet. Meeting room, you're spread out. You can do what you want to do. Under 50%, you're masked everywhere. Everybody's wearing masks at all times. You can't be close to each other. That's when you see like on Hard Knocks when they had the two LA teams, how both LA teams were basically doing meetings in like garages, like open air space. Like they built something for the Rams. So it was like just open air thing and everybody was spaced out and all this stuff because they didn't have these rules then. So they were trying to space out and still have some semblance of meetings. If you're over 85%, you can meet in you no know, meeting room. Um, so stuff, you know, it's stuff like that Um, that they're trying to encourage Same thing as the NBA, uh, the Lakers Didn't have the 85% vaccination So they couldn't enjoy a lot of the Freedoms Phoenix had, Phoenix I think They had everybody but one or two get vaccinated So they were able to go out In the town, they were able to take their mask off They were able to meet as a group and stuff like that The Lakers couldn't, um it was because I think Utah was another team that got had really, really high vaccination rates. So they were pretty normal on the road. You know, they can hang out in each other's rooms, they could go out on the town, they could do what they wanted to do for the most part, as long as especially as long as they're wearing masks, uh, because of their vaccination rate. And so that it's an encouragement by leagues to try and get you to get vaccinated. Now, again, they can't make you take the vaccine. No one is trying to say Oh, DeAndre Hopkins, you have to take the vaccine, or you can't play. 4 Fournette, you have to take the vaccine, or you can't play. It is a situation of if you don't, and your team has a COVID outbreak, these are the repercussions. And some of these guys, some of these players, are living paycheck to paycheck, a rookie deal, six round picks, and they're playing. They're living check to check. You know, like yeah, they um, have a three year contract worth five million dollars but they only got a million guaranteed and that pretty much gets paid in the first year well now you're looking at you know i'm on year two of this deal none of it's guaranteed and i'm already not gonna get paid for this like i don't know how long i'm gonna play so it's, it's a lot to take in um you know so it's a lot to take in for guys that have to be considered their fellow teammates now again i'm not I'm not going to go. My vaccination stands here. It's your decision. You're an adult. It's always been your decision. But all companies and corporations have a right to the rest of their employees to um, make sure that they are taking care of everybody as much as they can. And so putting in these rules are to do that and to help out with that situation. However, like I spoke about earlier when I uh, broke the news on the show we have our first covid firing um the vikings offensive line coach i forget his name Uh, Pass game coordinator, run game coordinator, one of the two Uh, He was let go Or they parted ways with him Because he refused to get the vaccine Now for him, he's a tier one personnel member Meaning he's a coach, he's a front office staff member He's in the ownership group, I don't think they have to do it But the uh, coaching, front office Staff, people like that They have to get the vaccine, they don't have a choice Uh, It's in their uh, league rules They have to get it, players are, it's up to them But if you're a coach or a front office member You have to get the vaccine Uh, He refused and so therefore he was let go they parted ways with him um so that was our first related covid related um situation no firing the Bay bucks received their super bowl rings uh the details are spectacular so they the nfl finally get the twist tops Uh, and i say finally because the nba's had them for a few years now the removable tops of the rings um where so you know how like the traditional ring—it's a ring, all the diamonds on the outside. It's really, really cool. It's amazing. They're awesome. Well, now they have figured out a way to remove the top of the ring, and so the top of the ring comes off. I don't know. I think the Lakers, no, the Warriors. The Warriors had the spinning symbol. They were the where the uh, symbols rotated. The top rotated. Um, this is the Lakers had the first one where it physically came off, and there's something inside of the ring um, engraved in the ring. The Lakers just had. Um, just had a situation where their ring was just I forgot what it was words in the inside. It wasn't anything super super amazing. Uh, as opposed to the Tampa Bay Bucks, they took their top off and it was the it was a carving of the stadium. It was hand carved in the ring of Raymond James Stadium to signify winning the first Super Bowl at host as the home game. Um, they had all kind of details about like oh they had you know nine diamonds on one side to signify the nine points. 31 diamonds signify how many points they scored. They had uh, around the stadium on the inside, it was the four opponents they beat uh, scores. Uh, they had the four division winner scores. They had four diamonds somewhere to represent the four division winners. On the inside, they had a diamond um, by the tunnel, and that was where they ran out. You know, it was, I mean, so many details, so many significations, so many diamonds. Uh, absolutely huge. Brady receives his seventh ring. A lot of those guys, that was their first. Um, I think something like. Everybody, but a couple of them, maybe like two or three of them, was um, receiving their first Super Bowl ring. So when you have a situation like that, you have Brady uh, basically being the grandmaster of ceremonies. Having done so many of these, he was like the grandmaster of ceremonies over everything. Uh, It was really cool to watch everybody get their rings. the pure excitement. It was, you know, these are grown adults. Some of these guys are 33, 34, 35 years old. Uh, Most of them have children, and to see them acting like a three year old getting a piece of candy, Um, or when you give like a five year old a dollar or something like that, it was absolutely spectacular to watch. Uh, Really cool. It's one of the few times a year where you remember they're playing a kid's game, and the kid's emotion comes out of them. A lot of these these guys worked their entire life for that one moment to put that ring on their finger. Um, You know, it was huge. You got guys like Antonio Brown, what he's been through, he's now a Super Bowl champion. You've got Leonard Fournette. What he was been through in Jacksonville, he's not a Super Bowl champion. You've got uh, Mike Evans, what he's going through in his life, he's a Super Bowl champion. You've got Shaq Barrett, JPP. Uh, JP's one of the few guys with a ring. Uh, and Dominican Sue, same. I believe in Dominican Sue, had a ring before that. Don't quote me on that. I'm pretty sure, I'm, I'm thinking that Sue might have stolen a ring somewhere. Uh, but I, I'm probably wrong, but you know, so you've got a lot of guys that have had rough upbringings, bounced around a bunch of teams. Uh, you got like Tristan Worth and Antoine Winfield, first year in the league, first Super Bowl ring. So they're they're living the life. Um, but you've got plenty of guys like Adamic and Sue when he's been through. Like I said, JPP, Shaq Barrett, uh, what he's gone through with the injury and having to find his own way and trying to make a lot of money. And then you got Mike Evans and Nona Fournette and so many of these guys on Tampa, uh, with a lot of stories. Bruce Arians with a lot of uh, interesting stories. Byron Leftwich. And to how they got to that point and so to see them all Smiles yelling celebrating with their families dancing with fans stuff like that um, Showing their love and their appreciation for not only the fans but for their teammates and themselves uh, Getting their first Super Bowl ring um, Little sad news uh, Greg Knapp who's an offensive or sorry was an offensive assistant coach for the Jets um, passed away after injuries that he suffered uh, in, a, in an accident. He was um, on a motorcycle, was struck by a car, uh, was in critical condition, and uh, passed away. Um, he's got a pretty long history in the NFL. Uh, I believe he was a player. Uh, no, definitely was a long time assistant coach. Touched many organizations, touched many lives. Um, so um, keep the nap family in your prayers. Uh, may he rest easy. Um, just a rough situation all the way around for the Jets in general. Um, I'm sure we'll see something, you know, like a, a GK on the back of the helmet or something. Uh, that's something they usually do in these kind of situations, but just a sad, sucky situation all the way around. Um, and then, uh, last piece of news Fred Warner, uh, who's one of the top inside linebackers in the league, agreed on a five year, $95 million contract extension with 40 points 40 million dollars a little over in guarantees um it's a very interesting deal it's got the first two years technically don't exist they're void years so then it jumps right into three years like 63 million which makes 20 million dollars a year but then based on something else based on some laws and language the 49ers have the right to buy back basically unvoid the first two years but put them on the back end Um, so very interesting contract situation with Fred Warner and the 49ers Um, so definitely shout out to Fred Warner congratulations to him um, and his family for their hard work obviously because they worked as hard as he does to get him to this point but up next we're going to talk about college football and what is going down or what is about to go down it's insanity Welcome back into the show. Um I've been waiting on this. I'm gonna be honest, all show. Almost led with it. If it wasn't for the NBA finals, I probably would have led with it. Um college football is about to undergo one of the biggest changes in the history of the sport. So you know how I spoke about man, the playoffs, the playoff, the playoffs. It's going to be one of those big things. It's going to expand like for 4 to 8, I'm hearing 12 now. I don't think it's going to go to 12, but I've heard 12. Dabo Sweeney i on, we'll talk about that a little later. Um, 48, going to be because of COVID, and we're going to get automatic qualifiers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, Big old playoff news. We're going to touch on that right after we touch on this. Um, but then the bombs started to fall. It was like bombs of a Baghdad. Bombs started to fall everywhere. <laughs> um, and we, it, the, the Houston Chronicle reported that Oklahoma and Texas were leaving the Big 12. And not only were they leaving the Big 12, they had a destination. They were going to the SEC. You heard me. The Texas, University of Texas, and the Oklahoma Sooners were heading to the SEC. The Big 12, what made this just even more amazing, was Big 12 Media Days was that day. So they were in the process of Big 12 Media Days. SEC Media Days had concluded. Big 12 Media Days were in the middle of. And they straight up asked, a reporter straight up asked Oklahoma representatives, are they rumors true? We're hearing you guys are possibly going to the SEC. What's going on with that? And there was no denial. There was a walk around, but there was no denial. Um, contractually, Oklahoma and Texas can't move for another two or three years. Uh, they uh, reportedly won't, are planning on sending in a letter within the next couple of days to announce the fact that. Uh, they will not be renewing their um, their deals, their media deals, and their rights deals with the Big Twelve in uh, 2025. So that would mean that 2024, 2025, they would be exiting the Big Twelve and leaving. Um, they'll have to pay 76 million dollars to the Big Twelve on the way out the door, but they will be heading into the SEC, creating the first super conference. As for the state of the Big 12, the remaining eight teams left in the Big 12, the West Virginians, the Oklahoma States, the TCUs, the Baylors, uh, the Nebraskas, um, et cetera, they, Kansas, they have vowed to stay together. As of now, West Virginia, they have vowed to stay together as of now, but they are all, all are going to evaluate their value to other conferences. Let's be honest, if Oklahoma and Texas leave, your conference is dead. You can vow on a conference call to stick together and bring back the old big eight, basically. But Oklahoma and Texas are two of the founding members of the Big 12. They are your two money-making schools in the Big 12. Why? They make money in multiple sports. Kansas is a basketball school. is a football school, but nothing else at the school is pretty good. You look at Oklahoma State, it's they got a pretty good football, pretty good basketball, and neither one are elite. Both make money though. But your two factories of money is located in Austin, Texas and located in Norman, Oklahoma. Both of those cities are about four years away, three, four years away from being registered SEC schools. If that happens, your conference is dead. So TCU, Nebraska, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, Baylor, start figuring out where you're going to go and the SEC's off limits. So this is where something like the ACC might look to steal West Virginia. Why? They're already on the the Atlantic coast. So it wouldn't even like geographically, you would have some random outlier team because you're already on the Atlantic coast. Now there's nobody else the Big 12 can just easily slide into the ACC, but West Virginia can go right to the ACC and and exist on the west coast and not have to, on the east coast rather, and not have to geographically throw off the conferences. You look at Nebraska, they can go home to the Big 10. You look at, um, I mean, that would leave you with four power five conferences or at that point would be power four conferences. Maybe the American takes two conferences. Maybe the American takes two teams. Uh, the American doesn't really have ties to being a power four, but what if the American conference absorbs Oklahoma, Baylor, and TCU? Now the American conference has three little big 12 schools plus teams like Tulane that maybe they can elevate themselves into an AQ spot for the college football playoff. There's a lot of different scenarios. Remember the Pac-16? They were going to absorb most of the Big 12. They were going to take Oklahoma. They were going to take Texas. Uh, they were going to take Baylor. They were going to take TCU and turn the Pac-12 into the Pac-16. They were going to take, I think Ohio State was going to go to I mean, it was like the Pac-16 was going to be insane. So I'm sure they're going to come knocking on the Big 12's door again. Trying to pull people away because what does that do? That gives those Pac-12 schools a footing in the South in terms of recruiting. Currently, they have no footing. The furthest team closest to this area is Utah, so I mean they they have no footing past the Rocky Mountains. If you say say you even if you get a TCU, Baylor, Oklahoma State, and Kansas to to go to the ACC or go to the Pac-12 rather, you're in a spot where now you have taken. Multiple schools and you have footing out past the Rocky Mountains Which in turn wouldn't necessarily strengthen the chance of you making a college football playoff is currently constructed But the interest would last longer because of Texas and their care for football But you're moving back into Texas and Oklahoma coming to the SEC So that completely shakes up the south in terms of recruiting because now Pretty much as far west as you're willing to go was A&M now you may you can go to Texas You can go to Oklahoma in terms of recruiting point standpoint. Um, there was a report at one time. I, mean, I was hearing that University of Louisiana and Lafayette. Was talking about coming into the Big 12. Well if Texas and Oklahoma is dipping out of the Big 12. That's not nearly as appetizing for UL to go to financially. Leaving the Sun Belt. Uh, there's a couple encumbrances. Into the absorption of the Oklahoma and Texas. Into the SEC. Mainly the Longhorn Network. There is no way on this earth that the SEC with their own network is going to allow Texas to run into the Longhorn network and keep it without having to either share broadcasting rights or share the money produced from it in a revenue sharing pot and Texas is not going to give that up so there's reports now that the SEC network may simply absorb the Longhorn network where it still exists but it's controlled by the SEC network meaning it's split into the money share pot or the Longhorn network goes away entirely. Um, so that is something that would be very interesting to keep an eye on if it indeed occurs, how they will treat the Longhorn Network. I'm gonna be honest, this thing is done. Anytime you get to the point where you're sending letters and we're looking at how the conferences will online and all that stuff, this thing is done. The Big 12 is dead. Uh ding dong, the witch is dead, Oklahoma and Texas are out. They're heading to the SEC, creating the first super conference. Remember the era? Remember the alleged era of the super conferences? It existed, um, man, about five, six years ago. or maybe longer than that. They were going to basically dissolve the Big 12. They were going to steal a couple of teams from the power five, from the group of five. And they were going to make four 16 team conferences. Everybody else was asked out. So it was going to be 64 teams. Uh, running the sport running college football, running college athletics in general, D1, the other remaining 80 schools were just going to be just in the wind um, so now we're going to get the first 16 team conference in three years, uh, you look at the SEC here's the West, here's the proposed West if you divide it by geography which 8 on one side on the other side of a line basically the Mystic River um, you have Oklahoma Mississippi State, Texas A&M Uh, Texas Ole Miss Arkansas Missouri and LSU Ole Miss being the only school on the eastern side of the Mississippi to play in the west uh, Mississippi State as well Um, so the Mississippi schools would be the only schools on the east side of the Mississippi so I guess a dividing line would be the border the border of Mississippi rather and if you go to the east you have Alabama goes east Vanderbilt Georgia South Carolina Auburn follows Alabama going east Kentucky, Tennessee, Florida. In all sports, this is massive. You look at football. Now you bring in two Big 12 powers into the West, which is more which is the more offensively inclined division anyway. Um, so there's going to be absolute shootouts every week. Now just think about these, now I think about these cross-conference matchups. You could have Florida matched up with Oklahoma and having to go from Gainesville to Norman, Oklahoma. Um, the weather where there's nobody really in the sec that plays in cold weather in the winter, yes, Missouri does, Arkansas does, Vanderbilt does, South Carolina can get cold, so Kentucky. But usually, a lot of the big teams play down south, where by the time it gets really cold, the season's over. Um, you look at Oklahoma, they're cold in September, October, November. You look at you know, Austin, Texas can freeze, so that is adding another weather element of weather. Game if you're saying Florida, Florida could leave. A 65 degree day in Florida And land on the plane It's 32 degrees and snowing in Norman, Oklahoma So a very interesting Situation all the way around Look at basketball, the basketball applications Now Shaka Smart comes into the SEC Uh, Oklahoma's got a good program They come into the SEC Um, Baseball You look at the SEC title game uh, The national championship game Is basically SEC title game Between Vanderbilt Vanderbilt who ultimately lost to Mississippi State. You look at all sorts of things. You look at softball. Uh, Oklahoma just won softball. Now they're going to have to battle through the SEC, which is a pretty good softball division. So it is absolutely spectacular for all the major sports. The track would be insane because Texas is is the premier track school or one of the premier track schools in the Big 12. Now they come into the SEC with LSU, with Florida, with Alabama, some monster tracks programs as well absolutely huge like i said it cannot happen before 2024 due to contractual obligations but it is going to happen so uh get ready for that they're gonna have to figure out how to make this work i think it's gonna be a nine just look at football for instance i think it's going to be a nine game schedule um it's gonna have to be nine games now they were either thinking about doing the two divisions where you play everybody in your division once and then you rotate in two people from uh, the other side or you do what they're considering what they call the pod system where four pods exist, four teams are in a pod Um, you play everyone in your pod once so that's three games and then you play two games against everybody else and you play two games against two teams in other pods so there's three other pods, two games in each of the pods that's six games plus your three, nine game conference schedule and then you have to host Based on the math You'll host one team every four years So you'll play that team every two years But you'll host them every four So if you stay all four years You will play everybody at least twice And you'll play at least one time in their stadium One time in your stadium um, If you're a college athlete So that's pretty cool I actually like the pod system um, Because it gets rid of divisions And it allows a conference championship game To truly be the best two teams Because for instance for so long In the SEC The best two teams are Alabama and LSU you for I me mean, throwing at Georgia, but for the most part, it's Alabama and LSU are the consistently two best teams, but they play each other. So you'd have a three-loss or four-loss Georgia team show up on the other side versus an LSU team with one loss to Bama, who's undefeated. Or in, France in 2019, Bama only lost one game all season. In conference, that was to LSU. So they would have been in a conference championship game, but they couldn't have been because LSU was there. So I think the pod system would flat-out eliminate the uh chance of that happening it would get the two best teams in and it would have a potential lsu alabama conference championship game you could look at a georgia oklahoma conference championship game even in a division if you kick alabama and auburn east you know the best two teams may be alabama and georgia where that would prevent one of them from getting to the conference championship game so a lot to think about i'm saying it's going to happen i'm putting my stamp on it this will happen in 2024 2025. Huge college sports news, absolutely groundbreaking in terms of what this could cause all around the world and uh, the world of college sports, in terms of recruiting, in terms of money, um, in terms of opportunity. The SEC becomes the crown jewel of the NCAA for all things sports. It's going to be absolutely huge. and But up next, we're going to shift to our best for last, which is going to be a discussion about Team USA. And we are back. And now we're going to talk about Team USA and not the basketball team. We're going to talk about all teams. Uh, The Olympics, the 2020 Olympics officially uh, in Tokyo have kicked off. The opening ceremonies were today. Um, Our flag bearers were led by Sue Bird. Who carried our flag? She's a. It's her fifth time going to the Olympics. I can't think of anybody else better to carry the flag. Uh, the Olympic torch was lit by Naomi Osaka. A very, very, very special thing. Carrying the flag is one thing; lighting the torch is another. Every country represents has a flag bearer, usually two, possibly three. Um, the Olympic torch lit by one person every four years because it's usually a very, very famous person from either the city. If it's a situation like America hosts LA, so I expect somebody super, super popular and from LA uh, to do it, maybe the greatest LA athlete maybe Maggie Johnson or somebody lights the torch um, however, you know for other countries, it's Japan it was Naomi Osaka, she's J- J- Japan's greatest export right now and so she lit the torch uh, something that like she said is her greatest athletic achievement ever, something she'll never forget um, and so, absolutely spectacular I, I, go USA That's all I can say, basketball I expect two gold medals, <laughs> straight up. I expect two gold medals, men and women. Uh, gymnastics, I expect Simone Biles to come back with a lot of gold around her neck and probably her last Olympics. Um, we've got some track people. we got four by one women that can go and get a gold. Um, we've got some other good sports we're going to be watching out for. So go USA, go, and let's bring back as many gold as we can. But that is all we have for today I hope you guys enjoyed the show Um, Absolutely great finals NFL starts in two weeks with the preseason College football is undergoing a massive landscape change And we've got the Olympics So what a time I hope you guys have a great rest of your day This is your host Justin Jackson signing out